Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. How about this? Another non-union car maker raising wages. A new law on height and weight discrimination taking effect in New York City. And today on the show, the latest from the American Federation of Government Employees and the iron worker who will become the mayor of Canton, Ohio. Welcome to the Wednesday, November 22nd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We actually have three guests on the show today. Our first two will be conference, and they both come from the American Federation of Government Employees, one of the many proud sponsors here on America's Workforce. They are with uh, AFGE Local 3283. Website is local3283.org. Joining us will be Joey Graceffo, who serves as Legislative Political Director, and Brian Johnson, who is the Vice President of that local. That local pretty much represents what they call the DFAS employees, which is an acronym for the Defense Finance and Accounting Agency. They do a lot of payroll, especially for the military. I think they focus on the Navy. We'll get an update on that. We'll talk about the possibility of another government shutdown. As you probably know by now, they uh, they kicked the can down the road. We're going to talk more about this in tomorrow's show with uh, Bill Samuel of the AFL-CIO. But uh, the big thing is this. If the government does shut down, which would be in like January, February, that's the dates we have now, it will affect federal employees at the defense finance and accounting services. That means paychecks will probably be delayed. They still have to do their job. So this happened before when uh, Trump was president and the, the shutdown lasted 35 days and it didn't save any money. It actually cost money. So we'll touch on that. We'll touch on artificial intelligence which is getting a lot of play, especially uh, this week when the guy that created ChatGPT went over to Microsoft, and now the company that he pretty much started wants him back. Oh, there's a lot going on. We're also going to talk about telework, going back to the office two days a week at DFAS, and uh, there's been a tug-of-war on that issue. Brian will chime in on all of this and more and talk about uh, what 2024 looks like. There is some really good news, and we're seeing this across the board with unions. AFGE, no exception here. And we're talking about organizing, and this is right from the uh, national website. This has been an absolute banner year for organizing for the American Federation of Government Employees. In May, going back to May, they added more members in a single month than what they had in eight years. By the end of July... AFGE already surpassed their yearly goal of 8,000 new net members. And it's been the strongest September in years, adding over 1,300 members. Last month in October, 
they did even better, netting 1,826 new members. And the folks at National said, you know what? We ain't finished. No, 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 no. Growing our ranks and building power is always crucial to building a brighter future for America's federal and D.C. workers. And the recent brush with a government shutdown was a serious reminder of just how crucial our voices are. And it turns out that uh, every district is growing, and they have shown growth um, more so than in the last 13 years. It's amazing. Amazing. Good news there. Very good news. Later in the show, we're going to link up with uh, Bill Shear II. We had him on the show some weeks back. Bill is a longtime iron worker. In fact, he comes from an iron worker family. He's the business manager of Local 550 in Canton, Ohio. And uh, on January 1 of 2024, he is going to become mayor of Canton, Ohio. Now, Bill was one of 40 people in the state of Ohio. These are all union brothers and sisters. We talked to Tim Berga about this some weeks back. But there were 40 people like Bill Shear business managers, people that worked in their unions, like Brian Poindexter. There's another good example. I run into Brian just about every day at Local 17 of the Iron Workers, and uh, he was the top vote-getter in the race for three at-large seats on the Brook Park City Council. So he's a happy camper. But out of those 40, 27 of them won. Brian and Bill Shear are just two of them in the state of Ohio. Altogether, Union endorsed candidates, there were over 200, 202, and of that amount, 161 in the state of Ohio. So we'll talk about the union involvement and how that helped people like Bill Shear, and he will uh, become mayor of Canton, Ohio on January 1. And I'll tell you, talk about a landslide. He beat his opponent, Roy Scott, by more than 30 percentage points. That's a good campaign. That's a very good campaign. So uh, Bill Shear II will be our second guest right here on America's Workforce. Now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income real estate and equity investment options to clients across the nation. They've been doing this since 1928. New York City's ban on weight and height discrimination in employment takes effect today. Now get this, only two U.S. states and a handful of cities currently prohibit weight discrimination. The law tasked the city with crafting regulations to exempt certain employers in industries where, quote, a person's height or weight could prevent performing the essential requisites of the job, end of quote. As with race and sex discrimination under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, businesses cannot escape the law by claiming that their customers prefer to interact with employees of a certain height or weight. How about this? Nissan, now the latest non-union automaker to hike its pay, after the United Auto Workers secured historic raises from the big three manufacturers in Detroit. Nissan raising wages by 10% and, and eliminating pay tiers. This starts in January. The Teamsters negotiation with UPS this summer and the UAW strike against the big three 
both of them focused on abolishing two-tier wage scales, and the resulting contracts will significantly reduce wage gaps between workers. And that, that had a go away, really had a go away. You, you'd be on an assembly line. One person's making $17, $18 an hour, and another person doing the exact work is making double that. Not good. Not good. This is also not good. The National Labor Relations Board has begun to face legal challenges following its recent rule expanding joint employer status. Well, last week, a coalition of restaurant industry groups and, no surprise here, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce sued the NLRB over the new rule in a Texas district court. The lawsuit argues that the new rule violates the National Labor Relations Act and conveys an arbitrary and capricious rule in violation of what's called the Administrative Procedures Act. Also last week, the Service Employees International Union, which supports the joint employer rule, filed a petition with the D.C. Circuit Court for review. These cases will likely prompt a lengthy dispute about which court has jurisdiction to review the NLRB's rule. Now, if the review occurs in the D.C. Circuit, the joint employer rule will benefit from favorable precedent. But it's also possible that both cases may proceed in parallel litigation without a quick resolution. You know how this is. Justice delayed is justice denied. Now, while these cases proceed in the courts, Congress, well, they will also debate a new Congressional Review Act resolution that would overturn the NLRB's joint employer rule. This resolution, which was introduced by Senators Manchin and Cassidy, must pass both houses of Congress and be signed by President Biden to effectively overturn the NLRB rule. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. No, 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 no. That's a stretch. But we kind of saw this coming. There's been a tug of war on the joint employer rule. And uh, it looks like there's, frankly, no end in sight. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to link up with two members of the American Federation of Government Employees. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AF 
afge.org. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment... Brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. i got to give a shout-out here to our friends at the Alliance for American Manufacturing. I talked about this yesterday, every year. This is the 10th year now. They come out with the Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. Well, as you know, we are in the shopping season, and uh, there's a lot of deals out there. But, you know, a lot of people, and Scott Paul did a lot of research on this. Scott is the president of the Alliance, and uh, they found out that you know, four out of five people, over 80% actually, want to purchase gifts made in the United States. And you know, sometimes when you go out shopping, that's not an easy task. I always look at the labels. I always do. And I try to shy away from the ones that are, you know, made in China or made in Vietnam because, you know, they're dealing with uh, near slave labor on those products. But go to AmericanManufacturing.org, AmericanManufacturing.org, and you will see gifts from every state in the country, along with Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. It's, it's a great, great list there. A lot of unique items as well. The holiday gift guide from the Alliance for American Manufacturing. All right, let's go to uh, line number one and two. We're conferencing two people from one of our proud sponsors here. And that would be the American Federation of Government Employees. National website is afge.org. Today we are focusing on local 3283. And we're going to start off with Joey Graceffo. Joey's been on the show before. In fact, uh, he was at local 31, which represents the brothers and sisters at the Lou Stokes VA Medical Center, which is a really, really wonderful facility doing great job for vets. And uh, he's been with uh, 3283 for a number of years. Joey, welcome back to the show. How are we doing today, my brother? Hey, good, good. How's it going? Good, 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 good. Kind of happy there's no government shutdown right now, right? Uh, yeah, well, they passed a continuing resolution, so that's always good news. But, you know, we're going to have to deal with this after the new year. 
I hear you. Yeah, there's a date in January and there's one in February. Uh, it's a staggered shutdown now. I, I, I can't believe I don't even want to talk about that. I want to talk about the good the good things that are happening. And I know there's a lot of organizing going on. I know it's been a banner year across the country for AFGE. But a little more background. We get new listeners every day. Talk to me. I, I understand you've been a federal worker for, what, is over 15 years now? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Been uh, been with the government over 15 years. Um, I actually, uh, well, I went to Cleveland State University, and I have my accounting degree, and I focused on nonprofit and governmental, and my goal was to be a public servant. So um, I applied for um, plenty of positions on USA Jobs, most People in the federal government are familiar with that, and then I got in the VA. Um, you know, I joined the local, um, but you know, at first, you know, you're not too active. It takes you time to understand things, and then I figured I have to do more. I uh, became a legislative political coordinator with Local 31, and then um, took a job three years ago at DFAS over here in Cleveland. We're located at the federal building, and um, you know, became the legislative political coordinator at 3283. But um, by that time, they were glad to have me when I came over there. You know, it's always good to have some someone else doing this type of stuff, getting out there, getting the message out to our members and, you know, meeting with politicians, letting them know federal workers' concerns. Exactly. So, Raise mm-hmm. those voices. Right, right. Hey, why don't you explain? I, I briefly went over DFAS at the intro yeah. of the show, but and I know there's a history of it. And there was some time I remember back in the in the 1980s, they wanted to move the entire operation out of northeastern Ohio. Can you give us a rundown on where we are with it and what is actually done there? Um, right. Well, yeah, it was uh, what La Tourette and Kucinich were big behind keeping DFAS here because there's a few locations, you know, the other, um, another main location is the one in Indianapolis. Uh, the one over here in Cleveland, we do the accounting for the Marines and the Navy, and that's going to deal with, like, active, du- active duty service members, whereas Indianapolis deals more with um, the Air Force and the Army. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, you know, I mean, everything's going good. We could use more workers, of course, Um you know, that's kind of the thing with um, the government is that, I mean, even by uh, even by their own audits, and this was even when Trump was in office, it showed that we're understaffed. Um, mm-hmm. Government workers are basically overworked. Um, in the early 60s, I'd say, um, we have the same amount of government workers as that time, but yet the, the population has grown. Yeah. So that would be like one of the problems that, at DFAS, you know, we have a lot of work there, you know, a lot of, it's making sure we get the new hires in there, getting them trained. Um, on that, Brian's been here a little bit longer, so maybe he has a little bit more details on that. Okay. Yeah. Brian Johnson is the vice president of local, uh, 3283. Brian, I'm not very familiar with your background. Can you kind of fill us in on, on how you arrived over there? Yeah, sure. Um, I actually worked for the coast guard back in the, uh, late 90s uh, before graduating college. Um, then I ended up getting a, a job with uh, ACS and Lockheed Martin uh, in retired annuity pay when um, they took over the contract from DFAS. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started with DFAS in 2010 when we transitioned over in January 2010 and have uh, actually joined uh, the union uh, in 2015 uh, as a union steward and only recently uh, been appointed 
the executive vice president after the uh, passing, the recent passing of Lori Glicker uh, this September. Yeah, I was so sad to hear that. Lori was on the show a number of times, full of energy, full of information, and apparently she was very private, and she passed away a couple of months ago. So you are pretty much assuming that role right now. Brian, let me ask you this. You know, I was talking briefly about this uh, the shutdown, which may happen in the new year. If, yeah. if we go that route, hopefully we won't. What what happens with DFAS? I mean, does the uh, people are not getting paid or what? Yeah, we're we're on a different budget uh, type of budget where it's not determined by Congress. Uh, so essentially, uh, if you recall, the shutdown 2018 2019, which lasted for 35 days, uh, we were continuing to pay our civilians, our military personnel, and our retirees. Uh, but that's not to say the budget lasts forever. Um, mm-hmm. We only have a year, and once that depletes, then that's when we kind of run into problems. So you are looking at possible late payments uh, to deploy troops in a variety of issues with civilian pay members and contractors, especially military contractors. And because of all the various laws between them and all the rules and all the policies, there's a lot of unknown. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to end up happening to them. And that could be a big morale buster if it happens, right? Oh, for sure. It's a, it's a huge concern. Um, when it happened in 2018, 2019, you know, I had just bought a house, <laughs> for, speaking for myself. You yeah. know, and uh, I was furloughed for, the plan was to start furloughing uh, those who did not perform the essential functions. They're not critical to work. Uh, and me being an analyst at the time, obviously I was not uh, critical. But I did have a critical role uh, as far as assisting our customers. And so that role is something that, uh, you know, customers could, uh, would, wouldn't be able to get that type of assistance. Um, right. And so I was furloughed. I believe it was going to start out for us uh, once a week. Um, and then after that, they were looking at dropping us about three times a week, et cetera, et cetera, uh, until we'd be completely furloughed. But luckily, the shutdown had been avoided. But the, the scary thing now is this is a new government, right? Uh, it's, it's a different atmosphere, so to say. Uh, we're mm-hmm. dealing with uh, Trump and uh, that type of MAGA party, and so there's even a greater unknown of how long this potential shutdown could last if it occurs. Well, we'll keep our fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, the attacks are more severe. I mean, you got... Um, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, um, and we were just talking, me and Brian were just talking about this recently. I mean, this whole thing is talking about firing just half the federal workforce. I mean, this is coming from a guy who's never a public servant and doesn't understand, you know, um, a lot of the services, you know, the main ones, you know, to a lot, a lot of people could be social security. You know, we got, you know, the veterans coming to the VA, you know, got the active duty military members getting paid at DFAS. Um, you know, and for someone to take that type of shot at the government is, um, it's unbelievable at this point in 2013. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, 2023. And it's, <laughs> and it's a random termination, if I'm not mistaken. It's based off the last two digits of your social security number. If you're odd number, you're terminated. Uh, even number, you remain. And I Whoa. think that's just absolutely. Absolutely ridiculous, and it seems like he's been watching too much Marvel 
movies because he's trying to act like Thanos here, right? So it's just absolutely it's ridiculous. Like pride in that. <laughs> yeah. Trying to be the bad guy. <laughs> wow, this is scary stuff here. Gentlemen, I got to take a quick break here. Brian Johnson and Joey Graceffo joining us from uh, AFGE Local 3283, which is a DFAS. That's a defense finance and accounting agency in downtown Cleveland, Ohio. Joey serves as legislative political coordinator, and as I referenced, Brian is the vice president. AFGE.org is a national website. Later in the show, I'm going to check in with uh, Bill Shear II, iron worker becoming mayor of Canton, Ohio. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. Mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Ironworkers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Boy, I tell you, we had a great conversation with Melissa Cropper, who uh, not only is president of the OFT, but she serves as secretary treasurer of the AFL-CIO. She is one bright lady. And if you missed the show, which was uh, actually yesterday, just go to awfpodcast.com, awfpodcast.com. We also did a Wonderful interview with Melissa Wells. Now, Melissa, assistant to Sean McGarvey of the uh, North American Building Trades, and they're getting ready for the Tradeswomen Build Nation Conference, which is 
unbelievable this year. I mean, uh, they had to stop taking people. It's, it's well over 4,000. There's so much interest in it. And the hotels are all booked up in uh, Washington. That's going to be December 1st through the 3rd. Again, everything archived on awfpodcast.com. Let's go back to our live line rejoin. Joey Graceffo and Brian Johnson, both gentlemen from AFGE Local 3283, based in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Joey serving as legislative political director, Brian as vice president. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about artificial intelligence. In fact, we did a show with the American Mm -hmm. Legion on Monday. It's the cover issue of the December edition of the American Legion magazine. Now, they took kind of a national security edge. And the AFL-CIO also, if you go to their homepage, they're very concerned about What's going to happen to labor? I mean, a lot of jobs could just disappear. Brian, let's start with you. I'd like to get your perspective. You serve as vice president of uh, of the local here. This has got to be concerned. Um, what are you hearing so far? Well, you know, I, I'd like to speak on it from a, a broader perspective uh, because it's something that our members are concerned about, uh, but it's something that's extremely scary. Uh, when you really look at it, I mean, you remember those all those artificial intelligence movies. Well, that's kind of the direction that we'll be going to. I mean, right now you have machines that are building our cars for us that took over all those jobs. You have some machines that are now building houses, mm-hmm. right? You have uh, uh, AI that's uh, taking over call centers entirely. You should know that the, those robocalls you might receive, that's really AI. It's not a person on the other line, and it's just sure. improving and getting better and better, right? Um, you have AI that can, uh, just by typing, it can type you up a presentation. It can type up a song for you. It can write up a movie, a script. Um, there's really no job out here mm-hmm. uh, that's safe, you know, unfortunately. And the scary thing is when... AI comes and it likely might start in the federal sector and take over these jobs. You know, where are people going to work? It's not something that federal employees are concerned about. It's really everyone is extremely concerned about it. And there's no legislation out there to slow it down, uh, to plan for it, to stop it. Um, there's nothing out there. You know, and uh, Brian, right, the growth is exponential. I mean, oh, as it's, it builds it's up, it's going to start building up faster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's going faster and faster. Like I told Joey before, you know, when my grandmother was a little girl, she was going to school in a wagon, you know, and when she passed away, we've already been to the moon several times, you know, and that's just right. all within a hundred years, right? And so with AI, it's getting faster and faster because now AI can develop AI. Yeah. <laughs> so even faster right. than, than people can. And one of the other stories I was telling folks is just think about it. You know, I think we all remember when Osama bin Laden had been uh, killed uh, under the Obama administration. Well, with AI, you can still create his voice. And that voice can still send out messages, still send out directions. Yeah. Right? You you have, if you've ever looked on TikTok, you see uh, President Obama and... uh, President Biden and even President Trump playing video games with each other. You know, it's their picture. So they can grab, AI can grab their image, move them around how it wants, speak how it wants, et cetera, et cetera. And just think of the implications of that in the broader scope of things. Right. Think about um, North Korea um, creating 
uh, a message from President Biden saying that uh, America apologizes and surrenders to North Korea. You know, how ridiculous information and yeah, mm-hmm. the propaganda. It, it, it's extremely scary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's extremely scary. And we're already living in a world uh, right now where the, we people don't believe in the truth. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. We've seen that now. So it's, it's extremely scary. I'm extremely concerned. And I know that for the most part, it would be something like I would say, something like, um, you know, I feel bad for the next generation, but because of its speed, it's going to affect us. It, for yeah. sure. No it's doubt. Really no doubt. Yeah. Joey, well, if I, you don't mind, yeah. Joey, you're, you're the legislative and political director for, mm-hmm. uh, for 3283. And you know, we're going into it, you know, it's going to be a very politically charged year next year. And with the, with a, I, you know, creating crazy things like what Brian was talking about. How right. are you? I, I, I would imagine. I mean, it might be in its infancy right now as far as the discussions, but you got to get prepared for what's going to happen because, again, we're going to talk about misinformation, confusing messages. People want to be informed about the electorate. That's going to be a very difficult process, right? Right. Um, well, I guess our advantage is that you know a lot of our members. Um, seem to try to stay informed, you know, and they, you know, with the e-board, they voted many of the um, members in that we have, and they trust them. So we try to give them as good of information that we can so they're prepared for that. And then uh, the other thing I wanted to say with AI is that, um, well, I'd say, you know, like if you're losing all these jobs, and, and, and you know this, I mean, this is what your show's based on, the workers are the consumers. We're what keep the economy going. So if you're taking away that purchasing power, it really would hurt the economy. Makes a lot of sense. Well, I tell mm-hmm. you, there's, there's going to be further discussions on various shows, including this one. And, and this is a fast moving target. The guy Very. that created chat GPT, I mean, he, well, you know, what's been going on. He gets kicked out of the company that he pretty much started, goes to Microsoft. Now they want him back. And there's a tug of war going on. And he even testified. He said, you know what? This is scary. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like the direction of what's, what's happening here. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely embrace this subject. Well, you know, know, in this country, we don't like to have a lot of regulations for some reason. And this is something that we really need regulated or some type of oversight on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, let's talk about telework. I've had various conversations with members of uh, AFGE over uh, over the last couple of years, especially since the pandemic, everybody was uh, working from home, almost everybody. But what what's the status right now at uh, at DFAS, Joey? Maybe you could. Why don't you start with this one? Um, well, starting um, in January, we're going to be going back two days a week. Um, so that's going to come to you. our pay period is two weeks. So that's four times in two weeks four times per pay period. And, uh, you know, a lot of the members aren't too happy with it. A lot of our workers is they're used to working at home and there's some benefit to that. You don't have to pay for parking. Um, you got extra time because you're not driving to work. Um, but we've, you know, we're used to the attacks. I mean, even maybe that was, I think last year, mostly it was the Republican party. were trying to pass something called the show up act. And I can't recall what the acronym was for, but the name of the bill was Show Up Act, and it was trying to get the federal workers back. Um, you know, it's always attacks against us, 
even though we proved that we could do the work um, even at home, especially at DFAS. You know, we're predominantly doing you know, a lot of accounting. Most of everybody's on the computer there. So it's not like the VA hospital where you have a lot of workers in, um, on, the, you know, on the hospital campus. Uh, you know, I, I mean, what can you say? Um, we really just need more staff. That always helps make a place work better. Um, saying, you know, get people back in the office always seems to just be a Band-Aid at this point. It's uh, probably going to cost us some employees. They're going to look for um, what it's called as remote work instead of yeah. telework. Remote means it's totally wherever you want to be at. You could be at home. You could be, um, I don't know, I guess at the coffee shop. But, of course, with us, you can't. We don't want to go work at a coffee shop because, you know, we might have some stuff that's private on our screen. So we're supposed to be at home in a safe office. But, um, yeah, the, the, you know, it's just it's a way, again, to attack government workers, um, basically, to make it sound like the work ain't getting done, get back in the office. Right. You know, and it's just like we always prove time and time again, and a lot of these are public servants that take a lot of pride in their work. We have a lot of veterans, so when you're ripping on the, you know, not you, you know, I'm saying like, I'm generalizing. When someone's saying anything negative about the federal workforce, they're also talking about a workforce that has a lot of veterans. Um, you know, VA, DFAS, uh, the postal workers, I mean, there's a lot of veterans there. So everyone comes there, and they really take pride in their work. Um, the stuff that would help is better training sometimes at, you know, and that's pretty much everywhere in the country, private sector or federal workforce. You know, the better someone's trained, the better they could perform their job if stuff is staffed correctly. So I guess getting back to your question, I mean, uh, the telework thing, um, you know, a lot of people are really, I mean, they're coming to grips with it. You know, one to two days a week is way better than coming back in five days a week. So um, it's, it's kind of in between a little bit how yeah. we're feeling about it. Well, Joey, it sounds like it's going to be a gradual thing, so so right. please keep us posted on that. Brian, I want to throw this at you. I mean, here in this conversation that obviously you need more workers, um, what what's the situation with that? Are you advertising for more workers? Or are they just taking a long time to hire, to screen them? What, where are we with that right now? Well, I'd say, uh, yeah, we definitely need more workers um, <clears throat> uh, because – you know, as time has gone on, uh, we're receiving more work, you know, because new laws are passing that uh, are, are, you know, providing more benefits to folks, uh, be it civilian, uh, retirees, uh, military folks, and that's kind of like a new pay, right? So you'll, we'll create new departments, but we're really not replacing these folks from the places we're taking them from. So what the agency is trying to do is pretty much introducing bots um, to, to do the work for the employees. So that kind of brings us back to the to the AI argument of what's going to happen there. Is this going to, by leaving the workforce, making the workforce smaller, you know, you have the argument that we don't have enough people. And since you have that argument that we don't have enough people, your options are to either hire more people or to introduce more AI, more bots, more automation which will then, again, uh, uh, move folks out. So I'd say that it's kind of a, a concern there. But if you don't mind, I, I kind of want to talk about a little bit about the, you know, add my piece about telework. Sure. Go ahead. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, telework is kind of a, a, a double-edged sword, you know, I would think. 
Um, I've been teleworking since 2019. I've enjoyed it. That's one of the biggest issues I think a lot of our members um, uh, currently have, this return to office. And I believe it's mainly because the reasons that are being given to us is just not adequate, right? Um, but some of the scary things about telework, which a lot of people don't think about, is, uh, for example, Joey had mentioned remote work, where you can pretty much work anywhere. Um, if that expands, uh, at least for, you know, the specific area, the, the specific office, like, for example, you know, um, we're from deep Cleveland, so really they're hiring folks in the surrounding area. You know, a lot, a lot of folks aren't really interested in moving out here. <laughs> but if you expand it out to, you know, remote work, that's less work for people in the surrounding area, right? Yeah. Because uh, yep. they'll start hiring folks from, you know, California or, or you know, something kind of with a similar locality pay, right? Um, and then will that expand out even further? You know, will we get some contractors in India uh, next uh, working on this stuff? It's kind of a... And no, no, but things to kind of keep in the back of our mind, you know, as we go forward, right. uh, just to make sure, sure that something like that um, doesn't happen. Because I definitely know if, uh, you know, any of our missionaries are getting contracted out, especially to another country, that's probably going to um, raise a big fuss in the community. Well, you got your hands full here. I mean, we're in a state of flux in so many different ways. But the good thing is this. You got a very powerful union. And I'll tell you, your leadership from top down is extraordinary. And I'll tell you, you can find more about this union, AFGE.org. That's a national website. We got Joey Graceffo of uh, Local 3283, that's Local3283.org, serving as legislative political coordinator, and Brian Johnson, who you just heard, serving as vice president in 3283. Gentlemen, thank you so much for this discussion. You take care, stay safe, enjoy the holiday tomorrow, okay? And keep in touch, okay, brothers? Great. Yeah, you have a good holiday also. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Bill Shear the second. Ironworker for three decades, becoming mayor of Canton, Ohio. He's coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today 
Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACWeb.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Canton, Ohio. We got a happy camper on line number two right now. I'm so happy for this guy. I know he's going to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. His name is Bill Shear, the second business manager of Iron Workers Local 550, winning a landslide. In the mayor's race, Bill Shear, welcome to America. Well, I should say welcome back. Congratulations to you, brother. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I tell you, th- this is cool. And uh, well, why, why don't you just kind of refresh our listeners? You were on, I would say, maybe six, seven weeks ago. We were talking about the race. You felt pretty confident about it. I've been hearing good things about what you were doing campaigning. Um, has it sunk in yet? Let me ask. Let, let's start right there. Uh, it's everything, it's, my schedule's filling up very quickly. I mean, and, you know, I can't quit my day job just yet. I would not, you know, I would not assume the role of mayor for the city of Cannes until the first of the year. And um, now we got a lot of work to do, and I'm excited. You know, it's kind of bittersweet for me because my family has been in a leadership position with our union for over 90 years. And wow. this, it's kind of bittersweet for me because – this is the end of the bloodline. And, um, and all I ever wanted to do is follow in my father's footsteps. And like, you know, my dad did with his father, my grandfather that I never had the pleasure of meeting, but, you know, uh, you know, just excited for the next chapter of my life. And I'm also trying to make sure that I'm just not handing the keys over to these guys. <laughs> good, good point. Yeah. So this transition, maybe you could reference that. I, I know this, like you said, it's bittersweet, but uh, a lot has to be done. By the way, I, I, I forgot how many members in, in 550 right now, Bill? Um, we're close to 400 active, not including retirees. So, okay. Okay. So we're a so, small mixed local. So. So you, uh, you're in the transition process. Um, wh- where are we with that right now? I know you, I know there's a lot of work to be done, but are we close to the finish line? 
Um, well, the transition, I mean, as far as the transition of me leaving local 550 is probably about 75% complete. And mm-hmm. if you're in a leadership position with a union, it's just not that simple just to walk away. You know, yeah. you know, you're gonna have to go through a full-blown exit audit and just make sure that everything's taken care of. Now, as far as the transition for the city, the easy part for me is, you know, the mayor, the current mayor right now, Tom Burnaby, decided not to run again. And But his administration and the cabinet, Tom, Tom Burnaby has surrounded himself with A-plus people. You know, we pride ourselves in the trades that we do it better than anybody else. But also, I tell my guys is, all I can do is get you the job. It's up to you to keep the thing, you know? Right. But Tom Burnaby has surrounded himself with A-plus people, and the easy part for me for the transition to the city is that everybody stand. Gotcha. You know, so every department, the service director, the service director for the city is a true number two guy for the city, the safety director, the budget director, our economic development, you know, director, Chris Hardesty. And uh, it's that's actually a bonus for me to have that cabinet in place on day one. Mm-hmm. Well, you got acquainted with them. I mean, you remember a city council for a number of years. So, so obviously you kind of got a head start on that. Let me ask you this. I know you take over on January one, any of like big union contracts coming up in like 2024 or maybe, maybe the next year that you're, that you have to focus on. Well, you know, police and fire for Canton, their contracts are going to be up um, at the end of next year. So, and it's going to be unique for me because I've been negotiating contracts for at least the last 25 years. And it's going to be a little bit of a transition because I've been on the labor side my entire career negotiating. Now I'm going to be on the management side. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, and one thing I told, uh, you know, and I went to, through the campaign, I went to all their union meetings. And I asked them, and I was actually shocked. I asked them, have you guys ever had a candidate for mayor? And Canton's been around for a long time ever come to your union meetings? And they said, no. And I was actually shocked. And, you know, I just told them, I said, guys, I'm not going to sit here and promise you anything because I can't, eat, I can't sit there and promise my members anything, but I've been fighting for them my whole career. Yeah. But we're going to have to put our heads together and, you know, the city's not going to move forward without safety. I mean, two thirds of our general fund budget for the city is spent on safety. I mean, that between police and fire and everything else. So, yeah. Yeah. How, how are we looking with finances? I mean, you, you probably get a better picture after January one, but what do you know now? Well, the budget for the city is around $334 million. The general fund operates and we, you know, we operate, you know, we survive on income tax. So it's not like we're going to put a, you know, fire levy or police levy on the ballot and we are not going to raise taxes, but we're going to have to survive on, you know, what we have, but you know, how important is economic development to the building trades? It's everything. It is everything. It's keeping our guys working, feeding their families. And it's the same thing for the city of Canton. We survive on income tax and, and we need to take an aggressive position with economic development. And, um, you know, I think the city financially, is you know sitting 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 in a good place right now you know so you know, i think yeah i'm very blessed to walk into the door i mean it could be a a lot worse situation but i'm very blessed to be able to walk in the door day one and we're financially stable yeah yeah well at least we got this uh, pandemic behind us hopefully nothing like that happens again especially during 
your uh, your term as mayor. But there's a lot of cool things happening in in Canton, especially with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Of course, I, I'm kind of happy for Joe Thomas uh, on the first ballot there, being a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan. It, it's pretty cool. But that that village, I tell you, are, are, are they done expanding that, or is, or is there more to, more work to be done over there? Well, you know what, look, I'll put my ironworker hat on for a minute, and uh, we're very blessed to have a relationship with the Hall of Fame Village at everything that they have done out there, and probably it's close to around $700 million worth of work, construction work, has all been under a project labor agreement, making sure that all the trades are going to be, you know, successful on, you know, helping them get there, you know, and uh, they are not done expanding, they are not, I mean, I think... You know, they're, our guys are working on uh, their construction, constructing a lot, new water park like a Kalahari down in Canton. They're going to be putting up a new hotel there. And, you know, when you lose the industry, you know, I remember all the facilities that I used to work in when I first got into trades. And when those, when those, when they shut the doors and they moved those, you know, those, that in, those industries out of the country, it's never coming back. And right. maybe just maybe Canton might be a tourist destination. You know, and they, you know, when you go to the Football Hall of Fame now, you can spend three or four hours there, and you're, you know, you're done and you're moving on. They want you to stay for a week, and I'm hopeful with the tax incentives that we negotiate with them that it's going to benefit everybody in our community. One more question here, Bill. We're speaking with Bill Shear the second, who is the incoming mayor for the city of Canton. Thirty-six year members of local 550 business manager served as business manager. And has been on. How long? How long were you on uh, city council there, Bill? Um, I was a council president for all, or right about six years. Good, good for you. Well, I tell you, I'm really proud for you and your entire family. It was definitely a good year for Union brothers like yourself and sisters, because I had this conversation with uh, Tim Berga of the AFL-CIO. There were 40 people just like yourself you know, holding roles like a business manager, business agents that got involved in politics out of that 40 27 one in the state of Ohio. So that's quite an accomplishment. We just need more of that to happen. So maybe, you know, do some encouraging down the road here. So that if you want to change things, you got to change from within. And I think, you know, that. Yeah, not a problem. And one thing I was instilled by my father, there should be a guy from labor on every board, every committee, every township trustee, every city council, board of education, speaking on behalf of the middle class and labor. Absolutely. Amen, brother. All right, Bill, you take care. I know you're going to have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking in the new year. Okay, brother? Absolutely. Have a great Thanksgiving. You got it. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, Bill Samuel, Government Affairs Director of the AFL-CIO, and we're going to check in with IBEW Local 38 lighting up downtown Cleveland. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful holiday. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.